course, this week on Tuesday, we are going to be celebrating Independence Day. And I think it's strange. Words always mean something, right? When they change how you talk about something, it purposely is done. Uh, if I were to, in a general assembly, say something such as, what's happening on Tuesday, they would reply, 4th of July. That's not the holiday. <laughs> there's a 4th of June, and there's a 4th of every other month. But why do we celebrate on the 4th of July, we celebrate Independence Day? There's a reason they don't want you to talk about our independence. Because they want to take it from you. Uh, and the problem that we have in this, in this country is that we have moved away from the liberty that we have gained through Jesus Christ. Uh, you can go ahead and you can try and talk terribly politics and do all the things. I don't even care. Uh, I, I don't care in the sense that uh, ultimately they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, there's a reason they're the world. Uh, there's a reason they're controlled by someone else. We'll get into that here a little bit. But the truth, the truth is that there's a liberty that can only be found with Jesus Christ. And it is the reason that we were deemed the country of liberty. And that is why people come here and they are supposed to be promised that we would be uh, the country where we have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's what it's supposed to be. Now, what you think of it now, I'm not going to get into too much politics right here because that will just make me mad and uh, derail everything else that I want to say because I'll just spend it all on that. But the truth is... Liberty is infringed upon no matter what when you remove God and Jesus Christ from anything. He says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Liberty shows up here in uh, Galatians 5 and verse number 1, and it's not the first time it's used, it's not the last time it's used, but it is one time that it's used in the scriptures, and liberty is given, right? Liberty is ultimately freedom. It's freedom, and now it's not anarchy. I've talked about that before, you've heard that before. Freedom does not equal anarchy. <laughs> liberty, rights, availability to be able to do things and have freedom that is not freedom does not equal I do whatever I want <laughs> because doing whatever you want by the way puts you in bondage to something else liberty is given because you want to have freedom within the bounds of the habitation that you have uh, probably my favorite example is uh, that we have we have state route 104 right in front of the church you have a speed limit of 55 miles per hour until, you, of course, you drop down into this valley over here and then it drops down to 40. It does that. Why? Because of the intersections. The post office is right there. They don't want people backing in and out and ramming into each other at 55, 60 miles an hour. And so you say, why is there a, why is there a governing of slowing down when you get down there? For the safety of others. It's not, well, I can do what I want, so I'm going to do 100. And the lights come on and you get pulled over. Or worse, the lights don't come on and the lights show up later because you've smashed into something or someone. Right? You say, why, does, why is there things, why do we have laws and rules and regulations and all those things? Ultimately, it's because liberty is not liberty if, there is no, if it's anarchy. That's not liberty. Liberty is freedom to move within the boundaries of what you have. And it's supposed to be just boundaries. 
It's not supposed to be unjust boundaries. It's not supposed to infringe upon those liberties or to box you in so that you can't do anything. It is that you are supposed to have liberties to operate within so that everybody can have what they should have and possess what they possess without infringing upon someone else's right to be able to do that. The idea of, uh, I'll step into the political realm just for one more moment, uh, and maybe over and over again, one more moment, one more moment. But uh, right here, uh, right, the idea today is that you can't have free course and free discourse with somebody else. If you oppose them, they automatically shut you down and just yell as loud as they possibly can to get you to shut up. That's, that's the general consensus now. The idea is if you differ from me, you're obviously wrong and I don't have to listen to anything because you make me feel bad by disagreeing with me. And provoking any thought process whatsoever is terrible. <laughs> that you could have free discourse and be able to argue your point logically. There's, uh, anyways. Um, logically be able to construct an argument to be able to convince the other side that they are wrong is not allowed anymore. Not in, not in a general sense. The idea is, I want what I want, what I say goes, and nobody can argue with me. That is not liberty. There's a reason you have the freedom of speech given to you in the Bill of Rights, along with the freedom of religion and the freedom to assemble and all of the other ones. We have those. Why? Because people have different opinions and different ideas. Well, how do you put them all in the same place? Well, you establish freedoms and boundaries on those freedoms. There are certain things you can't do with those freedoms. But they ought to be given as freedom. They're liberties. And the more that it gets infringed upon, the more bondage you're put back under. And in Jesus Christ, he wants to set you free. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. I'm going to preach on liberty this morning. Father, I thank you for the day and I thank you. For the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that can wash any man of their sins and redeem them forever and set them free from the bondage that they were under. And that, Father, I do pray that if someone here is under that bondage, they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't know their sins are forgiven. They don't know that heaven is going to be their home forever. I pray they'd get that settled today. Father, I love that today is the day of salvation. It's now, Lord. They can have it now if they want it. And Father, I pray you'd help them to see it. Lord, for those of us who are saved, I pray you'd help us to live in our liberty in Jesus Christ and help us not to abuse or misuse it, but Lord, that we would treat it well and reverence it. And Lord, once again, we do pray that you would bless our day, be with, the, be with everything that's happening, Lord, over here as well as over in junior church and in the nurseries and everything that's happening this morning. I pray that your hand would be upon it and your blessings would be upon it. Father, we love you. We pray you come back soon to take us home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here he is, and, and you find very quickly the cause of liberty. Why do we need liberty? Well, uh, verse number one here says, And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, everybody on the planet has been in bondage. Either you were in bondage or you currently are in bondage. But either way, bondage has happened. Uh, you've been tied down. You've been restrained from having the liberty that you can have in Jesus Christ. Uh, you go ahead and uh, look over at uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, I'm going to use a bunch of these passages again later, so we're going to look at them now. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that you can remember a little bit, all right? So remember these spots, because I don't want to turn back to all of these. We're going to go to a bunch, okay? Uh, so John chapter 8. And verse number 31, he says, then, Jesus, uh, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? I think that's funny, because they're under Roman rule right then, and they're in bondage. But anyways... Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. His answer is, you know what you're in bondage to? So it's everybody in bondage to. Everybody at one time in their life was under the bondage of sin. 
Sin has come in and it puts him in bondage and it holds him. He says in Proverbs that you're holding with the cords of your sins. Bondage. It's got a hold on you and you go, well, I can quit whenever I want to. Well, why don't you? It's wrecking your life and you still don't stop. Well, if I turn over a new... No, because you're in bondage. You will let it keep winning. Well, I can get victory whenever I want to get victory. Yeah, but you never do. Why is it that you never want to? Wrecking your life, but don't worry. I'll get it when I want to. Okay. Maybe it's because you're in bondage to it. Look over at uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians 6, verse number 9, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He wants to go ahead and give you liberty, but it's your choice whether you get it or not. Liberty is available. The cause for liberty is that you're in bondage to sin. Not only that, look over just a few chapters to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Like I said, we're going to hit a bunch of these verses and then I'm going to pull them back up later for you. Hopefully you'll remember them, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, not only were you under the bondage of sin, you're under the bondage of death. Verse number 22. Well, verse, verse number 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You realize you all, you all have an appointment with death. It's appointed on a man once to die and after this to judge. We're all in the bondage. One day, we all know that one day we're going to die. That if, if life goes and we continue, eventually death comes. There's no escaping it. You, you don't know anybody who's escaped it that, that, that has gone on before us outside of Enoch to never taste death. So, well, Elijah went up. Yeah, but he's going to die. You and I, if a trumpet sounds and you're saved and here, you're born again, you and I will escape it. We'll, we'll skip the appointment. But the truth is that death is coming for every one of us if the Lord doesn't sound a trumpet. We're under the bondage of that. You realize that's a bondage? The fear of death is real. People are scared of it. Why? Because it's unknown for many. What's going to happen to me when I die? Well, I hope. I think maybe. Well, if my good works outweigh my bad works, and if... And they have no assurance. They have no knowledge. They don't have liberty from the idea of death. They think, well, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And you know what they do? They spend all the money they possibly can. And they spend all the different ways. And they run to every doctor they can find. And they go ahead and they try to do everything they possibly can to prolong their life. Because that's all that they have. They're afraid of death. It's, it puts them in bondage. Look back at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, they're in bondage. Maybe you're in bondage this morning to sin. Maybe you're in bondage to that thought of death. Luke chapter 12. He says this. In verse number four, and, he, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Say, so what is it? Hell is a bondage. Hell is going to be bondage. In fact, he says that the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever. 
He says in uh, Luke chapter 16, you get to the rich man and Lazarus just a few chapters later here. And the rich man in hell lift up his eyes being in torments. And what does he do? He looks over, he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and a great gulf fixed between the two. And uh, he says, hey, could you send Lazarus over to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham's response is, nope, I can't. You can't get from your side to our side and we can't get from our side to yours because there's this great gulf fixed. Say, what is it? It's a prison. It is bondage, but it's bondage for all of eternity. An eternal bondage in a lake of fire. Why do we need liberty? Because that's a terrible place of bondage. Look over at Galatians chapter 5. Say, so you're not spending a lot of time on these because I'm still in point number one and we have five of them this morning. So we're going to move quickly, all right? You listen quick, I'll preach quick, I always talk fast. So as long as you're with me, we'll be all right, okay? Don't lose me. And then otherwise I got to go back and cover it again and you don't want that, okay? Galatians chapter 5. You know the spot, verse number 16. Or I'm sorry, verse number 19. Verse number 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, what are we in bondage to? You're in bondage to this flesh right here. Romans chapter 7, right? Paul, the Apostle Paul, looks at it and he says, In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. He says later, For with the mind I myself serve the law of Christ, but with, the law, with, but with my flesh the law of sin that is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You know what you and I are trapped in? We're trapped in the bondage of sinful flesh. We're in bondage to it realize that even the Christian, you know what we're stuck with? We're still stuck with this flesh kicking around, dragging around this dead carcass that shouldn't be doing anything, but in reality is always influencing and trying to influence and trying to make us live wrong. And the bondage is there. Lost man, that's all the bondage he has. He, do, he doesn't have any help getting out of there. He is stuck with just whatever his flesh wants and the desires of his flesh. And he says in John chapter 8 and verse 44, we won't turn there, but you know the spot. Jesus Christ says, you're of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own because he is a liar and the father of it. You say, what is it? It's bondage to the devil because he's your father. As a lost man, that's who you're in subjection to. Naturally. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, not of the Father, but they are of the world. Say, so what's wrong? You're in bondage to what the world tells you. Over and over again, they tell you and they tell you and they tell you and you just go after whatever it is they tell you to go after. That's bondage. That's bondage to the world. If you're just sitting there listening to everything that they say and doing everything, well, everybody else got one of those, I need one of those. Well, everybody else did this, I got to do that. Everybody, that's bondage to the world. Well, I got to think the way that they think and I've got to do what they do and I've got to have what they have and I've got to be what they are. That's bondage to the world. And too many times people live in all these bondages. They're already wrapped up. They're wrapped up in their sin. They're wrapped up with the fear of death. They don't understand that hell is going to be their torment for all of eternity because they're wrapped up in that bondage of the flesh and the world and the devil coming after them. And that bondage is there, but the truth is there's a great cost that comes with liberty. I don't know about you, but I would like to be freed from all of those things. But liberty always pays a cost. July 4th, 1776, they signed the Declaration of Independence, declaring us a free nation from Great Britain, of course. We have the Revolutionary War. I was looking up stats of wars and different things. and 
that one's quite interesting to me. We had, uh, we didn't have too many people here, <laughs> but 25,000 died as one of the highest percentages of death in a war fought by the United States. World War II is the highest, of course, of casualties based upon population. 25,000 is not a lot of people, but it is in relation, it was 1% of our population. 1% of the United States population died in the Revolutionary War to gain freedom and cast off Great Britain. Many more died in World War II. I think it was around 2.3% of the population died in World War II. Just of Americans, that doesn't include every other nation that fought in the war. That's just us. That's just our cost. Overall, 1.3, approximately 1.3 million people have died in the, for the United States of America continue to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By the way, that is approximately uh, two-tenths of a percent of the total population that has ever lived here in America. Two-tenths of a percent. You realize... I'm not making light of that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it, it costs a few to ensure the liberty of many. That's what I'm trying to show you. We're talking 2%, 2.3, I think, percent of the population in World War II. I didn't write that number down. That's from memory, so that might be a little bit off. It's 2 point something. Less than 3% World War II. Probably the greatest set of casualties we have ever accrued in one war. But over 1.3 million Americans have died to preserve our freedoms, our liberties. 25,000 of them died just the first war we fought as a nation to give us our liberties. And Jesus Christ, one man, pays the debt of all of ours remove the bondage so we can have our liberty. Look over at Matthew chapter 20. Trying to decide how many verses to go to this morning. Matthew chapter 20. The cost of liberty, by the way, is always life. Someone has to give their life. It's the blood of someone else that is shed to guarantee the liberties of another. It's not great words and a wonderful speech. Although it's a great speech, give me liberty or give me death, if you are not willing to give that death, you do not actually gain any liberties. Words are great, but words won't get the job done. Jesus Christ could stand there all day long and say, uh, I'm the... I'm the Lamb of God, I'm going to take away your sin, and if he never dies at Calvary, he can't do it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. If Jesus Christ doesn't give his life, there's no payment for sin, and there is no liberty in him. You get to Matthew chapter 20, look at verse number 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life, a ransom for many. He is ready to lay it down. He says to Pilate, I, you don't take it from me, Pilate. I lay it down. He goes, there's nobody's taking anything from me. I'm going to give it. And Jesus Christ gives his life a ransom for many. He pays the debt to do what? To make sure you can be out of bondage. Look over at uh, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Book of Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Jesus Christ purchased it with his own blood. He made sure. 
to go ahead and give victory. You realize we weren't redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversation with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot, without blemish. He says in uh, second, or, uh, 1 John chapter 2, he reminds us that he is the propitiation for our sins. The final, perfect, substitutionary payment, the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ, he didn't die just for a couple of folks. He didn't die just for the ones that are in here. He didn't die just for the ones that would trust him. He died for everybody so everybody could gain liberty if they wanted it. It's their choice if they get it. But the cost of liberty was the blood of Jesus Christ who ultimately paid the price so that you and I could have freedom. There's a confidence that goes along with this liberty. Free people are confident. You don't believe me? Go around the world. They think of you as proud, arrogant Americans for the most part. That's our general attitude around the world. You say, why? Because we're free and we think we're the best. In general, that's the idea. The idea is you think you're better than everybody. You say, why do we think we're better? Because we're free. That's the concept. <laughs> but there's a confidence that goes along with it. Now, it turns into arrogance when it's abused. And I'll get to that in a moment. But it turns into arrogance when you abuse that confidence. But there's a certain level of confidence that you know anywhere in the world you're supposed to be protected by the fact that you are a United States of American citizen. There's some protection that goes along with bearing that nationality. You go around the world, you know what you get? You get respect and uh, you get taken care of and you get certain protections just because of who you are for where you were born. And it doesn't matter who you are, as long as you were born here in America, there are certain things and you get to walk through and act like these things are amazing and that you have all of those protections that go along with it. There's not, there's not many times you look around the world and you realize that if uh, something happens to an American in a foreign country, the outcry of Americans is usually, used to be anyways, used to be great. And we'd go in and get whoever was left behind. We would take care of them and make sure that they were brought back securely. We literally have the weight of the entire United States military behind us as we step into a foreign country if someone does anything they shouldn't have done. That was supposed to be how it is. Anyways, I'm going to get back to my message now. There's some confidence that goes along with it. Realize when Jesus Christ saves you, there's some great confidence. At least there ought to be. There ought to be some amazing... We read it already, okay? Now we've got to go back to all those verses we read earlier, okay? So we don't have to turn all the pages, right? Back there in John chapter 8, Jesus Christ makes the statement, If the Son shall make you free, you're free. <laughs> ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and ye shall be free indeed. You know what God wants to do? He wants to set you free from the bondage of the sin that you were in. Jesus Christ gave his life. Why? So you could have freedom, so you could have liberty. He did that because he wanted to make sure that you didn't have to be under the bondage of sin any longer. He came to set the captive free and to set them at liberty and make sure that they don't have to go under that same bondage. He said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, And such were some of you. You used to be on that list of all those terrible things. You used to be on that list with all those sins and wickedness and vile persecutions and all the things that's been done. And he says, hey, such were some of you, but now you're washed. You don't have that stuff anymore. Now you're sanctified. You're made holy and set apart. You're justified. Why? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you. That liberty comes in. You know what you go? You get to say, hey, I'm not a sinner any longer. I may sin, but I'm not a sinner. I may make mistakes, but bless God, it's paid for. Because Jesus Christ paid it all, and all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and He washed it white as snow. You get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we didn't read that part, but you get down to the end of the chapter, right? Behold, I show you a mystery, verse number 51. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Right? And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that, or so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what his answer is? His answer is, death shouldn't scare you anymore. If you've got Jesus Christ paying for your liberty, and you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, and you've asked Him to wash you and make you clean, and go ahead and trust Him that He died for your sins, He was buried and arose again the third day, His answer is, you are no longer under the bondage of sin, and death you don't got to be afraid of. Because you're not condemned to a lake of fire once you do. Perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. And God says, I loved you with an everlasting love. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we should be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Jesus Christ made it very secure so that you and I do not have to worry about death. You and I do not have to worry about hell for all of eternity. He says, who shall escape the damnation of hell? Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 18. He goes, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and of hell. He walked out, he took the keys with him. That way he can get anybody out he wants to. He can come and go as he pleases. You know what? Hell is not even an option after you've trusted Jesus Christ. The security that is given. You say, well, you know, I've sinned. I messed up some things. Things aren't right. First John chapter 4, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. So I don't have a whole lot of confidence. That's because you're looking at you instead of the one who gave you liberty. Jesus Christ sets you at liberty so you don't have to sit under the bondage of sin. So you don't have to be under the bondage of death and be afraid every moment of your life. He goes ahead and makes sure that you understand you don't have to be afraid and worried. He sets you free from the prison that would be hell for all of eternity. He's looking to set you free. But not only that, he made sure you could understand Galatians chapter 5. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, I can free you from your flesh too. Christian, you realize you don't have to be in bondage to the flesh anymore? He gave you the answer, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We like to use shall when we get right to Romans chapter 10. We like shall right there, right? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, right? We're all about the shalls in that chapter. But then you get the Christian who's trying to walk in the newness of life and they don't pay attention to the fact that if you walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, how did I fulfill the lust of the flesh? Then you must not have been walking in the Spirit. That's a promise from God. If you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a promise. We like the salvation promise back there. How many times do we forget the great promise that He gave us right in Galatians chapter 5? Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to walk that way anymore. You don't have to walk in that flesh and do what that thing wants. You can go ahead and crucify that and put it down and go ahead. God says, I set you at liberty so you don't have to listen to that thing anymore. I gave, you the, I gave you a choice. A lost man doesn't have a choice. I gave you my Holy Spirit inside of you so you don't have to do all the things that your flesh wants you to do. The sad reality is most Christians live their lives where Jesus Christ has opened the door of the cell and they're sitting in there on the bench and they're waiting and Jesus comes by and He opens the door and He washes them of their sins and He goes, okay, you're free. And they go, yeah, but I'm really comfortable in my cell. All I've known is the bondage to these things. Or says, yeah, but I unlocked all those. You're not attached to those anymore. And they say, yeah, but I'm comfortable here. 
because they have no idea what it's like to be in liberty out there. So they stay right here. And they never get anything done. And they never get anything right. And they always feel like God's left them when he's just waiting for them to step out the door. He's just waiting for them to start walking in liberty instead of being holding to those old cords of sin that they don't have anymore. He just wants them to stand up and step out of the cell into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And they refuse. They keep going the way they want to go. They stay right there because they figure, well, it's, it, I already know what it's like to be in the bondage here. And they have no idea what abundance of life they could have outside that cell. They choose to walk in the flesh and stay right there. They choose to stay in bondage to the world. He says in John chapter 16, he tells them uh, that he's overcome the world. Jesus Christ overcame the world. What do you have to worry about what the world thinks of you? I shall not fear what man shall do on it. What, is it. what does it matter if they think you're archaic and old? You're old, old. You're so old-fashioned. You go to church on Sunday. You believe in God. You read a Bible. Then you read the old one. You read a King James Bible. Now you're really weird. What do you do? preaching or knocking on somebody's door and trying to witness to somebody and tell them they can have their sins forgiven. Why do you think that sin is sin? Why can't you just live your life? What happened to Darwin? What happened to this? How come you don't believe in this? Well, why can't you just think the way that we think? Why can't you just do it the way we do it? How come you got to catch up with the times already? Yeah, I overcame that. Jesus' reply is, I have overcome the world. That entire mentality, you realize that Jesus Christ already knows what's going to happen after they're done with whatever it is they're going to do? You already know what's happening past there if you read a Bible. Catch up with the times. The Bible's got farther ahead than they have. Get me all fired up right there. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, I just like this spot. 1 John chapter 4. Verse number 4. He says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he than is in you, and he that is in the world. He also gave you an answer for the devil. He set you free from your old master, the devil. He set you free from the bondage that was under the world. He set you free from the bondage of your flesh. He set you free from the consequences of your sin and dropping you in a lake of fire is never going to happen. He went ahead and said, you know what? You don't have to be under the bondage of sin and live the way you used to live. I've called you on to holiness. Be ye holy for I am holy. And then he says, hey, by the way, I'll take you out of the bondage of everything else too. Eventually, he's going to take you out of the bondage that is in the world, this life. And he's going to go ahead and put you in a new city, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He's gone ahead and freed you from sin. He's freed you from death. He's freed you from hell. He's freed you from the flesh. He's freed you from the world. He's freed you from the devil. If you'd be willing to walk in liberty. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. There is a cause for liberty. There is a cost to that liberty. You can have confidence in liberty. But sadly, too many people have a cloak for their liberty. Look over at uh, verse number 16. Well, verse number four, 15. 1 Peter 2.15 For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. There's a cloak 
that goes over. You know what misused liberty does? It says, I have liberty so I can do what I want. That's misused liberties. I'm free so I can do. I do what I want. I mentioned it in the introduction. Anarchy does not equal liberty. Those are not the same thing. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. So there's things that have to be in place. Oftentimes, people do things that are just straight malicious. He says as a cloak... Uh, for a cloak of maliciousness right there. So what's, what's malicious? Just being mean. Purposely hurtful. You realize your liberty is not supposed to be there so you can hurt anybody else? Not supposed to do any damage. Back in Galatians 5 and verse number 13, he says, Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Well, I have liberty. Well, that liberty doesn't let you go back into the bondage of your flesh again. I can do what I want. That doesn't mean you can go ahead and sin and do the wrong things. That's not what your liberty is there for. That's misused liberty. That's a cloak. They're putting it on to disguise what they're doing. Well, I have liberty. I can. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I know I am, so. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saved by grace. Shall we continue in sin that grace might more abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Uh, just because you are eternally secure and just because God won't take away your salvation doesn't mean you get to do whatever it is you want to just because you got liberty. That's a big difference. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul makes the statement that he wouldn't use, not to use your liberty as a stumbling block for your brethren trip somebody else up because, well, I can do it. You know, oddly enough, most people go, well, I can do it, so everybody else should be able to do it. All right. I'm going to slide in a nice illustration right here. Uh, I worked for a pizzeria for a while, delivering pizzas. You know where I would go? Eventually, right? You go to the bar. Why? Because they ordered a whole bunch of pizzas. So you got a stack of pizzas, and they're all cut, and they're ready to go, and you walk them in, and you get paid. You walk all the way up to the bar, and I went into a bar. Yep, I walked them in, set them down on the counter. I got paid for the pizzas. I turn around and walk back out. They say, everybody should be able to do that, right? Some of you have been saved from a life in the world. All right, I got saved from a terrible life in church, Amen. I was a wicked sinner growing up in church. I knew it. Everybody else knew it. I was told it every day of my life. All right? My parents called me a sinner. That's what I was. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a, I knew I was a sinner before I knew my name, I think. Uh, different lives. Some of you grew up in a world where drinking was supposed to be normal. Alcohol was consumed constantly. Not a big deal. You got saved. The Lord pulled you out of that life. I want you to know, delivering pizzas to the bar, two months after you got saved, probably not a good idea. Oh, nothing wrong with delivering a pizza to a bar. You're doing your job, right? You're working, dropping it off, heading out. You're, you're not having a drink. You're not doing But boy, if... There was enough temptation there. Oh, it's my last delivery before I go home. I've done that. Not going back to the pizzeria. Paid for the pizza myself. So the books were all finished up. Drove out there. Whatever money was coming to me was tips. I was leaving. So I paid it out of my tips. Away I go. Show up at the bar. Drop it at the bar because it's late. Leave. I'm going home. Doesn't bother me, but it may bother you. Right? I don't give you an excuse to go ahead and do that. I didn't have the same life you did. You can put a beer in front of me, whatever hard drink you want to, whatever it is. You go ahead and drop it right here. You know what? I'm never going to drink it. Not by normal temptation. I've never had that in my life. That's not a normal temptation for me. You put something else up here like a candy bar, 
Now you got me. Now I'm struggling. Amen. Right? There's things that we struggle with that some other people don't struggle with. There's some things they struggle with that you never would struggle with. Say, where do I put my line? When you're around them, you protect them. Well, I can do what I want to. I've got liberty. You got liberty to do what God asked you to do. You got liberty to live a life. Look here at the text. I'm going to give you the conduct of liberty right here, and then I'm done. I almost, I'm almost done on time. How about that? You have misused liberty. It's malicious. It's to the flesh. It's to make everybody else stumble. But instead, you've got utilized liberty. The conduct of liberty is this. Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors or as, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God that ye do doing that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief. Uh, or sorry, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. You say, what, uh, what, is my, what is my liberty supposed, how am I supposed to conduct myself within my liberty? Obey the rules. Verse number 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Well, I don't agree with. Sorry. Well, I don't like that. It's not what it said. Say, why? Because of foolish men who are going to use that against you. Mostly against God. And why do we try to live within the confines of the law and doing right and living right? And why do we got to obey our masters, our bosses, and all the people? Around? Why do we have to have a hierarchy of people above us telling us what to do so you can learn to live in liberty? <laughs> Say, what's that? That's obeying all the authorities God put in your life. If you're a child, it's your parents. If it's a wife, to her husband. If it's a husband, it's supposed to be to the Lord. By the way, if he's following the Lord, it's easy. By the way, if all of you are following the Lord, also easy. Even when the person above you isn't living for the Lord. Get this. Your relationship with the Lord is conditional. Right? Your fellowship with him is conditional. Your salvation isn't, but your relationship is. He told you how you're supposed to deal with your spouse, with your kids, with your, with your husband, with, with your, uh, I'm sorry, with your, with your parents, with your boss at work, with the people at church, with the people on the highway, with the people in Walmart. He told you how you're supposed to do that. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, regardless of how they treat you, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, are you right or wrong? You're wrong. Well, you don't know what they did. Doesn't matter what they did. Does not matter what they did. Because the trouble is, we think we're supposed to be self-serving. That goes against all liberty. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. Right? Not using your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another stop serving self serve somebody else the flesh is all about self if you're walking in the spirit you know what you're not worried about self you're worried about somebody else let each esteem other better than themselves liberty makes it so that you put the other person's need above your need anarchy puts everything on what I want 
liberty puts it on what is best for them. Serve one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, not using his liberty as a stumbling block. So what does that do? It protects others. You want to make sure you don't mess somebody else's life up because your, effect, your actions affect those around you every single time. No man liveth to himself, and it is certain that no man dieth to himself. Your liberty and the infringement upon somebody else's liberty and the mess that you make is going to affect somebody else. Say, how do I live in my liberty? You go ahead and obey, serve, and protect. That sounds real similar to a police officer, by the way. Obey, serve, and protect. So what are you supposed to do? Govern your own liberty. Don't worry about somebody else's liberties. What does God let you do? Your liberty is not the bondage you were in before. Your liberty is found because Jesus Christ set you free and you don't have to be what you were before. Question for you today. Is there a time in your life when Jesus Christ gave you liberty? Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ alone to save you and wash of your sins? Do you know you've got liberty in Jesus Christ? If not today, the Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You can have salvation now. You can have liberty now. He died for your sins. In a moment, we're going to sing an invitation. We're going to come forward. We're going to have some people sing. And some folks may come down here and pray. If that's you and you don't know you're going to heaven, I'd encourage you to get my attention. Let me know that you want to know how you can have your sins forgiven forever. We'll have somebody take a Bible and show you out of the Word of God how you can have your liberty given to you by the gift of Jesus Christ. For those that are saved in here, maybe you haven't been protecting the liberty the way you ought to in your own life. Maybe you've forgotten that God has set you free from all of those things, from the bondage of sin, death, hell, the flesh, the world, the devil, all those things you're supposed to be free from, but you've put yourself back in bondage to some of those things. You've let some of those things reign in your mortal body that you obey it in the lust thereof instead of doing what God asked you to do. You've been misusing your liberty maybe to go ahead and have that occasion to the flesh and cause a stumbling block and go ahead and rebel and do all those things. And you say, well, it's just maybe you need to get your heart right there and go say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I've, been, I've been misusing and abusing my liberties. I know I ought to be doing this. Or maybe you've just been sitting in a cell. God keeps calling you out, calling you out, and you just haven't stepped out yet to do what he asked you to do to step into the glorious liberty that's there. If that's you, get that fixed today, Christian. You can have that taken care of in an instant. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. Father, I do thank you for the day. I thank you for the grace and the mercy of God. I thank you, Lord, that you came and gave your life a ransom for many and you made sure we could have our sins forgiven forever. But Father, you didn't just leave us as a sinner saved by grace. You gave us the liberty to be able to live as the sons of God. Lord, that is quite the title. Now are we the sons of God. And Father, I do pray you'd help us to live like that in the glorious liberty that you've given us. Father, we do pray that you would bless our day, bless the families that have come. I pray that Jesus Christ was high and lifted up and he was praised. And Lord, I do thank you so much for saving us. Father, if someone here this morning doesn't know that their sins are forgiven, I pray they would get that settled today. But Lord, we do pray you would bless our day. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.